Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Molly Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. Well, I am wondering if anyone besides Kevin has had a stress dream recently. You know those dreams where um, you are replaying that moment where you show up at your college classroom and that is the day that it is the final exam and you didn't study, like you didn't know it was today. For me, I was in um, college, I was a runner and a lot of my dreams focused around showing up for the race, not knowing that today was the race day and not having any idea where the course would go. And so I was like, oh, I'm unprepared. But as I've gotten older, I don't know if this happens with you, the content of my stress dreams change. So now, most of my stress dreams are about this moment right here on Sunday morning where I show up and I don't have my sermon. I don't have notes. I don't know what I'm preaching on. I'm standing in front of people going, I don't know what to say, right? But we hate these stress dreams. They hit a deep, deep place in us, don't they? We do not want to show up unprepared, do we? We don't want to show up in that moment and be like, I, I wasn't ready. This is an unexpected ask in front of me. And I, I, if I knew, I would have prepared better. I, I'm not prepared in that feeling inside of us, that stress of going, now what? I got nothing, right? Like, I'm not ready for this moment. We as people, we love preparation, don't we? We just want to be prepared. We are planners. We want to be ready for the events of our life so we can show up with everything we have. Well, here's where we as followers of Jesus have the advantage, that we have a relationship with a God who exists outside of time, doesn't he? He is somehow mind-blowingly both in the future and in the present with us at the same time, that he's already at our future um, lives, and our future moment. And at the same time, he is interacting with us in the present. Somehow, he knows what is ahead for our lives. He has all the details of the future. It is the same time that he's interacting with us in this present moment. And he provides all the wisdom and the instruction and the readiness we need for our unknown future, for whatever lies ahead just like he did with a man in Genesis, this man, Noah. And we're doing a series right now. We just started a series of the book of Genesis. And um, we are now working through to Genesis 6. And we have, here's Noah, this one guy who was ready for the future that was coming. The one guy who no one knew what was coming. No one but God. And God prepared Noah. And Noah was the one guy who was ready for the flood. He was ready with the ark. He was ready to provide safety and redemption for his family, right? He was able to carry restoration, uh, the future restoration into the current day, into the current chapter. And so what I want to do is I want to look at Noah's preparation, what Noah did, how, how uh, what Noah did is actually we could, we could take from it and have our lives prepared for the future that's ahead of us, okay? So that's what I want to do today. And so we had this, um, here's the background to Genesis 6 when we are introduced to Noah, the man who was ready. And um, right before, uh, we uh, remember last week we did Genesis 3. 
And we, if you weren't here, you didn't listen to it, go ahead and grab it online, grab it on YouTube or the podcast. But Genesis 3 is our big pivot point in history, right guys? A big pivot point with human history where all of a sudden sin is introduced into the, the human experience. And here we are in Genesis 6, just a few short chapters later, and this thing has devolved into absolute madness, the depths of evil. And so let's pick up the scripture in Genesis 6. I'm going to start in verse 5, and it'll be up here, but there are Bibles in front of you. We're going to do a lot of Genesis 6, so I'd encourage you to grab one or open your own Bible. And here's what we read. Okay. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he, made, that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals the birds and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Okay, so here we are with humanity where every, it says every inclination of their heart was all evil all the time. Like that is a strong statement, isn't it? Like every inclination all the time, only evil. At this point, humanity is just consumed in evil. This is what's going on in the face of the earth. And it is so bad that God looks down and he sees and he's, he regrets, he's grieved over humanity. He regrets that he even made man. Like this man who, who he breathed his breath into, his image into, was to be the crown of creation, the glory over the face of the earth. He regrets that he made them and he's, he's looking out over all humanity. And we have this one little word about Noah. It says this, but Noah, but Noah. Like there is one light shining in the darkness of all humanity. Noah lived different in the middle of all of that, in the middle of all the evil and wickedness over the landscape of all humanity in his generation, there is one man who stands out. And I have that, a little image there. If you, there. There he is. There's no one bright light. This is what it looks like. God's looking down and it's like absolute destruction except for Noah, but Noah. Okay, so what do we know about Noah that makes him stand out? Well, Genesis 6, 9 says this. It says that Noah... When, it look, when you're looking at his history, it says that he is righteous and blameless among all humanity. Do we have that? He's righteous and blameless among everyone on the earth. He found favor in God's eyes. And so when I see that little clue, like, okay, there is one man who is standing out, who is righteous and blameless in all of the evil. What is, what's, what's going on with his life that allows him to find favor, that allows him to live differently? So I start looking for clues in the scripture and we don't have a lot of details about Noah, about our but Noah, but we do see this one little bit, the action there in, in 6, 9, this little action bit that says that he walked faithfully with God. That's what he is doing with his life that is leading to righteousness and, and the blameless life that he walks faithfully. 
So I like to dig in. I'm like, okay, well, what does that mean? Like this one little clue that we can grab onto. He walked with God. So I looked up, I looked this word up in the Hebrew. What's going on behind this word? Because I'm thinking it's something like mysterious and like it's going to lead, it's going to like be this whole like rabbit trail into this vast expanse of what it's like to walk with God. Well, spoiler alert, it means to go with. That's it. That's it. Like he went with God. Like every time it's used in the scripture, it's used like someone went out, someone went somewhere, go. That's it. That's what the word means. It's like, you know, I'm going to the storm where it's like, Kevin, want to go to Aldi with me? You know? Or we, he does a lot of walks. He does a lot of walks. Like Kevin loves to walk the cul-de-sac. And it can be like 9.30 at night and we're just getting home. And I'm like thinking about going upstairs to brush my teeth. He's like, you want to go for a walk? You know, like I'm walking. You want to go for a walk? But, but that's, that's it. That, that's all that that word means. Like what led to righteousness and blameless and favor with God? You walk. And like, is that a little un- underwhelming? I was a little underwhelmed by this, by this revelation. Like you walk. That's it. That's all you're doing. But here's what it means. It's like, it's time with you. It means I go where you go. Where you're headed, well, I'm gonna be headed there too. So Noah found favor with God because he chose to walk with God. That's it. If I was writing this story, I think it would be like maybe Noah found favor because, well, he was the hardest working student in the seminary of his day, right? Or maybe Noah found favor because he was the apprentice under the big name priest uh, that was, you know, in his village that day. Or he was, he found favor because he just dedicated himself to shipbuilding, you know, like that's it. He just did the best he could. Or he found favor because he was so self-critical and he was just trying harder to be better before God. That's how, right? Like that's the story we live, right? No, he just walked with God. He just walked with God. And the Pharisee in me is like, this is too common. This is too mundane. This is too simple, God, right? Like, this is what we, we expect. God, the man you choose, well, there's got to be a whole lot more going on than that. But it makes me go, well, maybe, maybe it is, God makes it so much simpler than I do. This whole walking with him. Maybe his yoke is easy and his burden is light. But here's the deal. As Noah was in close proximity to God, as he made this his lifestyle, faithfully, day after day, walking with God, as he prioritized God's presence in this relationship over and over, he was there when God had some plans to give away about the future, wasn't he? He was already there. God already had his ear. He was already listening. And here's what it says. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark, an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you're going to build it. So here's what I see. Friends share secrets, don't they? And God himself wants to share mysteries with us. How do I know? Well, Daniel, the the Noah of his day, remember he was facing this king. This king had a dream and he brought in all the wise men and he's like, tell me my dream and interpret it, my stress dream. I want you to tell it to me. And everyone's like, impossible. All the wise men are like, no one can do this. This cannot happen. It It is a no deal. And Daniel, Daniel who knows his God says this. He says, you know what? I can't, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. 
Daniel walked with God and he knew that God shares secrets, right? The Holy Spirit is the revealer. This is what he does. He takes things that are hidden and he makes them known. He brings them out into uh, what's concealed to a place that we can see it. 1 Corinthians 2.10, Paul writes this, but it, was, it, but it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. God wants to share secrets through his Holy Spirit with us. So once upon a time in Thrive history, um, we met at Cutting Hall in downtown Palatine. Erin, you remember those days, don't you? There's a few of us who remember those days. Jess and Hannah remember those days. We met in Cutting Hall, and it is a theater. It's owned by the Park District, and every single Sunday, we had to come early and set up church in a theater. We had to set up every instrument, the sound, every bit of kids' ministry, hospitality, the welcome, everything. Just from like base up, we had to set it all up, get there early, set it up, do church, take it all down, put it in a, in a van, and take it off to storage every week for years. And it was exhausting, and it was taxing, and it was hard on our volunteers. Um, but we just were like keeping at it, and we had no spot for like small groups or a church office, so we actually rented some office space down around the corner actually here off of 14. And we called it our headquarters, HQ, and um, we would do some meetings there. But one day I was over at our offices, our headquarters, and I was working, and I just felt like that God was just inviting me into some prayer. He was like, just come spend some time in like worship and prayer. And so I remember I was just walking around the office space, just praying, and you know, we, would, we were in this pinch because we needed a place to meet on Sundays, but we, we didn't have many people, we couldn't afford much, and there was nothing, there was no space. And so, but I remember that in that moment, God just kind of brought me into his presence and this, I, he brought me into gratitude. And I was just so thankful. And I was walking and praying. I was just thanking God, like, thank you for what you've done and given us. And I had this sense of like, I was just content. I was content for a moment of like, everything that we have is good enough and you are good. And I was just praying and worshiping. And I felt like in that moment, God invited me to get in my car and drive through the neighborhood. And I was like, sure, why not? And I know this sounds weird, but it was almost just like, God was just, he was just a GPS for me that day. He was just guiding me. He was like this, come on, do you want to do this? Sure, 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 I'll do this. So I'm in my car and I'm actually driving around these neighborhoods. And I just had this thing of prayer for people in the neighborhood. I was praying for them. And I just felt the father's heart. I would stop. He'd be like, stop here. And okay. And I pray over apartment complexes. And I was just praying for the people in these places that they would just know God. And I had his heart for like, oh, that everyone would know him and that they, they would be saved and they would come into relationship. And then I drove home. I went home, did my thing, you know, pork chops for dinner, whatever. And, um, and then the next day I'm again working and I felt like God was like, wasn't that great list yesterday? Want to do it again? And I was like, okay, sure. You know, so I get in my car again, just like, okay, I'm just going with it. Whatever I feel like God is doing, you know, walking with him. And, I, and when I'm driving around this neighborhood again, and again, it was this internal GPS, and I felt like the Lord would be like, well, take a left here. Okay, take a left here, driving, and, and just praying, and whatever he kind of puts on my heart, and then he'd be like, take a right. Okay, take a right. I'm driving down another side street. Take a left, and he brings me down this street, Glen East, Glencoe Street. Never been down this street before. He brings me down this street, and out front of this church is a little sign that says, for rent. 
for rent. And I'm like, never seen this church, never didn't know this was here. There's a number on it. I pull over, I call the number and I said, hi, is your church for, for rent? Yep. Just put the sign out. It's just, just went out. And I said, well, I'm a church looking for a church. <laughs> and literally, literally the guy was like, you can have it. You can have it all week long. It's all yours. And the, it was the same cost as we were paying for our one space and one space. And he was like, it's yours now. Here, God shares secrets. So like in some ways I don't like to tell that story because you might think that that happens all the time and like I'm real spiritual. It does not. It does not. That was a highlight reel moment. But when it's time, this is how God wants to do with us, church. He wants to tell us things that we don't yet know. He wants to move us to the next place when it's time to move to the next place, right? I'm trusting. I have faith because he did that. I have faith for the next place for us. But this is who our God is. He wants to reveal his secrets to you about the future. So what do we have to do? We have to walk with him. We just walk with him. So we're there in that moment. Okay, so here is the first step in our preparation process. Get it? Step, we walk. We walk with God. We walk with God. God wants your life to be a walking life. And it isn't for just for holy moments, guys. It's for when you're at work and you find like, oh, there's holy ground here too. It's for all those moments. It's the diaper changing and the dishwashing. It might not feel super spiritual, but your nearness to God delights him. It's waking up in the morning and just being like, okay, good morning, God. Like, what are you doing today? What's going on today, right? It's closing your eyes at the end of the night going, you know what, God thinks that you're here with me in the dark, you know, that you're so steadfast, that here you are again. It's just letting your heart, maybe like a lot of times when I'm driving, I feel like the Lord will be like, turn it all off. Let's talk. Okay. My commute to work or whatever you might be doing. It's that prayer without stopping. Walk with God, church. Walk with God. Okay. So that is the first step in our preparation process. And so here's what all this led to. In um, Genesis 6, 13 to 21, we see all the specific instructions that God gives Noah for the ark. He just lays it all out, which I think is, uh, this is again, how I know that the Bible is not like, that is not made up is because like God gives, it's these specifics, right? Like the details, the details that he's going through with Noah. He's like, listen, here's how you're going to build it. It's going to be 450 feet long, right? Like it's these specifics, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. It tells him how to make the roof. He gives him all of the details that he needs to know. Oh, and here is the verse. This is our trouble spot, church. When you hit 622, Noah did everything. He followed completely. He did everything as God told him. Highlight that verse, underline that verse, memorize that verse, because this is where you lost me, right? Like this is, he completely followed everything God said, everything just as God commanded, because my version is some of the things as I see appropriate, right? Are you with me on that? Everything just as God commanded. And this, everything just as God commanded, this is a huge stretch like Noah is, he's building a massive ark for a flood with no flood experience. 
it's no flood experience. Like many believe that there had been no rain up to this point in history, that in the Garden of um, Eden, it was watered by a mist, it says, that came up from the ground. Their firmament over the sky, it was closed. That means that no rain came down from the sky. Like, it had never rained before. So up to this point, again, no, like, global flood preparation. And God is saying, rain is coming and you need a boat. Like, what? Like, foreign language, foreign language. God's plans were nothing but strange. It's like snow pants in Phoenix. What? Okay, okay. So uh, up to this point, the earth was so dry and so permanent in Noah's eyes. Like, God's laying out the plan for a ark. So even though this, this concept of rain and boat and flood made no logical sense, Noah got to work, just as God commanded. Not only did he just get to work and take his tools and get to that cypress forest and start chopping down trees, guys, based on the ages of his sons, they think that it took 75 years to build this ark. Some people say 120. Let's go conservative. 75 years to build this ark. Think about this building out there under the sun with sweat in your overalls, building day, it was a grind day after day for 75 years. Chopping down the trees, making the pieces, putting it together. Crazy. But here's what was required of Noah to prepare for the future. It was obedience day after day for a long time, 75 years of follow through without a single drop of rain, without a cloud, a rain cloud in the sky, surrounded by, year after year, surrounded by ridicule and eye roll and laughs and taunts. He's out there building. And can you just imagine how many times he is following these instructions He's just out there doing what God said for something that made no sense in the present day under blue skies, day after day, and, and just going, following God, but how many times must he have gone like, what am I doing here? What is all of this for? Does this really matter? Did I really hear God write on these instructions? Or, or maybe I have a better idea, maybe a smaller ark, God. Maybe a mini boat. How about a canoe, right? Like, where is all this leading? Is, does this make any difference at all? Can you imagine the self-talk this man must have been experiencing at this moment? And I want to ask you, at what point would you have dropped the, the tools and walked off the job? At what point? I cringe when I think about that based on my current track record. But here's the deal, you guys. The day-by-day day sweat and building and building and building and the effort and the cost, it made no sense to Noah until the day that those floodwaters started to rise. And they rose above that last rooftop and that ark is safely floating above it all. It made no sense until that moment. And one day, under a rainbow-filled sky, where Noah and his family are completely safe and completely dry, did he understand God's redemption for a lost world? Only that one day, his view from the top of Mount Ararat, could he look back on all of the building, and all of the effort, and all of the cost, and all of the nonsense, could he look back and understand why? 
Why? Why the cost? Why the effort? Why the endurance? Why the building? That's it. He could not understand the why until that moment that he's looking back. I am telling you ahead of time. God is building something into our lives for future preparation that will not make sense until the end. It will not make sense until we are there in the future looking back on all of this chapter. It will not make sense, church, until we can see from the end, from what he sees, what was happening all this time. We can't. Why we had to follow, why we had to endure, why we had to trust, why it costs so much, why the suffering, what all the building and obedience and showing up time and time again was really for. Here is the lesson from Noah. Sometimes future preparation does not make sense in the present. Can we drill that deep into our hearts today? Can we just say, I'm going to understand this now from what I see in this story. Future preparation does not make sense all the way in the present. And the only way to finish the job, the only way to, to find ourselves prepared for the day that is coming to, is to obey all the way. Do not watch the neighbors. Please, don't watch the neighbors. No one else seems to be concerned. In fact, I believe that I might be content for their social media reel, right? Like, they, they're laughing, right? Like, look at you in your worship, right? Like, look at, there you go, off to church again. Look at you living set apart. Don't watch the neighbors. Don't watch the weather reports for facts to determine if what God said is going to happen is really going to happen. And please, please do not decide the time frame for a God who is running the clock. Please don't. Today, obey all the way. Today, obey all the way. Can we say this? Today, I will, today, I will obey all the way. Listen for God's instructions. Obey his voice and do it quickly. Do it quickly. Obedience means you follow his plans. It means you embrace humility and you apologize and you show grace when you're mad, right? It means you buy the person's lunch if God says buy the person's lunch. It means that you turn off the phone and you put it away and you get on your knees in prayer or worship if God says, come, now is the moment. Come on, come on, right? I had to do that this week. I, just one more thing. He was like, leave it. Leave the phone. Leave it. If he says, show up at church again, yeah, I know. Show up at church again. We show up at church again. We do it. If he says, pray for that person, do it over and over and over. Here's my super vulnerable, embarrassing moment this week. I felt like the Lord said to open my back door and to pray out my back door. I did it. I did it. Did it do anything? I don't know. I obeyed. I obeyed and I obeyed quickly. And I can tell you 10 times the stories where I don't do it. <laughs> right? You're going to question, is anything happening? I promise. You will ask, does this matter? And you're going to ask, why isn't anyone else? You will. Faithful actions and follow through add up. Because in the end, Noah built an ark, didn't he? In the end, he was prepared for the future. His family experienced salvation. He carried the redemption of God into the next chapter for the earth, right? Like that's, that's not a small thing. It's not. Here's why preparation like Noah matters, church. Matthew 24. 
This is amazing to me. Jesus is talking about the future, the end of the age, the event that is coming quickly according to Jesus. Check out what he says. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Jesus is so clear. He is coming back to make all things new. He's coming back. That We are living in between an age of his death and resurrection and his coming again. And he will come to establish his kingdom on the earth. He will, once and for all, to bring us into the age to come, into eternity. That's the future that is moving towards us with each passing second, isn't it? It's moving towards us. Every day that goes by, we're one day closer, aren't we? But just like in the days of Noah, the scripture tells us no one will expect it. It will be unexpected. That's what that means, right? The world will be carrying on in normal life under blue skies until all of a sudden, until all of a sudden, the age to come is upon us. So we cannot gauge the prediction of the end of this age based on uh, the turn of events on the earth. We can't base it based on um, what we see around us, the blue cloudless skies. In some ways, guys, we do. We have, we have some blue skies. Like we've got our Amazon Prime for the most part. We have religious freedom, right? For the most part, we have Uber Eats. We have good educational systems. It's, if we look around, is in some ways like nothing's going to change. This is good, right? This is good. Nothing's going to change. Just like in the days of Noah. No one will expect it. So God is looking for us to carry the urgency of our preparation into today, into the blue skies of our day, church. He is. He wants us to carry that urgency when it doesn't seem like it's really necessary. Because just like in the days of Noah, difficulty and darkness will cover the earth. This is what it says in 2 Timothy 3.1. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. We, this is part of what we'll, we will experience as Noah did. And just like, here's the good news, just like in the days of Noah, God is still building arks. I promise you, this is who he is. He is an ark building God. He can't help but work his plans of redemption and restoration and salvation his, his plan is for protection for people. He has in his heart that none would perish. None. He doesn't want people to experience the consequences of sin and death. That's not what's in his heart. He wants all to come under the covering and protection and safety and salvation of his son, right? That's what he wants. He wants all to call on his name and be saved. He is still building arcs. And what he is building in his church and on the earth, and among his people, among his bride, in our day, you guys, what he is building is as massive as an ark. It is. It's as glorious as the ark. It is as mind-blowing as the ark. It truly is. It will not be like anything we expect. The ark that he is building with his church, I know, I know, it seems, it's, it seems a little like anemic, right? It seems a, a little like out of, not so relevant. It is not. What he is building in his church, you guys, it is going to blow us away. 
is going to blow us away. How do I know? Listen, it, just like just like the idea of an ark in, in dry land, it's going to be the same type of thing where we can't understand it. First Corinthians two nine. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined for what God has prepared for those who love him. What he's building, his plans, they have not hit our imagination yet or our planning center yet. They can't. They're too big. They're too glorious. They haven't entered into possibility, but here's what I can tell you. You will want to be a part of it. You will want to be a part of it. And you are a part of it. We are ark builders in this day, church. We are. This is our design. It is our call. It is our destiny. This is what we are doing. We are preparing for the future to provide an ark for people who are coming behind us. So like, when, where's Lisa? Is she here? Lisa, when you bring Lizzie to church, you are building an ark for that life and the people that are around her. Spiritual warfare team, when you guys show up to places to pray in authority, you are building an ark. Deliverance and freedom for people. That's what you're doing there. When you guys come and you, you, you worship in this place and we just glorify the name of Jesus, something is happening in the atmosphere. Something is happening in our city. We're building an ark. When you come and you invest your time and your money, I, I had this moment this week, I was running and all of a sudden like tears hit my eyes because I had this moment of going, Everything we're doing right now isn't about us. It's about the people that are going to be worshiping in this place maybe in 25 years. And I could see them and I could see people that were getting healed and that were finding life in this place. And I was like, it isn't about us right now. It's about them that are coming behind us. That's what we're doing here. When you show up to serve on a team and when you invest in our kids, it's about the future that's coming towards us, guys. This is so exciting to me. It is so exciting to me. And here's the truth. It may seem small. It may seem insignificant. You're building an ark for the future plans of God. And that should rile you up. It should. It riles me up. So what I want you to do, I want you to ask this question. Where do I need to pick up the tools again? Where have I laid down my building material? Where did I get distracted by what other people are doing? Where did I get distracted, distracted by my perspective of the day I live in? Where? Where did I get discouraged in the slow process? Where do I need to decide to follow through on God's instructions to me despite doubt, despite reason? Where? I want us to pick up an urgency about our building project, church. Like Noah, I want us to walk with God. I want us to catch his secrets. And I want us to obey all the way. Because the last words of Jesus, in the last book of the Bible, in the last chapter of Revelation, three times, Jesus says, I am coming soon. I am coming soon. And our response is, I'll be ready. Why don't we stand up? Michi's going to come up and join me in some ministry as we pray this in. I really just sensed the Holy Spirit um, as I was just prepping and praying last night. And 
I just felt like the Holy Spirit was just saying that for some of you, your faith in Jesus has become a sideshow. And I just feel like today that he is inviting us back into a response of, I will obey all the way. That this is the main thing, this will be the main thing of my life. Is preparing for the future that is coming. And I think some of you, you've been watching maybe the ark building and you've considered it as a possibility. But instead of getting in the, the ark, you're kind of saying, we'll, just, we'll wait and see a little bit longer. Let's wait and see a little bit longer before I get all, all the way in. And you want your own house in your own neighborhood and the ark. And I just feel like today, God is just saying, it's just time to leave all behind and get in. And so let's just invite the Holy Spirit. And Meech and I are just going to kind of pray as we feel like he's leading. So God, we want to be a people who respond to your voice. And for some of you, I just, I feel like the word is now. It's now. There is an urgency around the word now for you so that you, you have the fullness of what God intends for redemption and restoration for not only you, but people who are around you and behind you. And so if that's you today, just God knows your heart. He can actually hear what's going on in, in your heart. And so as you're just in his presence, just, just tell him, just say, God, I want to obey all the way today. And I hear that it's, it's time. It's time now. I, I respond to the now word and I'm going to follow you with my whole life. I'm going to follow your plans with my whole life. Where I was kind of doing my own thing and you were just a Sunday morning thing for me or a side thing for me. Jesus, I repent of that today. And here I am. Send me. Here I am. Send me.